0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from our unchanging God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, today we do finish our journey that we've been taking through Mark chapter 6 and our sermon series called Meet Jesus, Our Unchanging God. We have seen how important it was for the people in Jesus' day as well as for us in our day to see and to hear just who Jesus is. And, and to be clear, it's not as if Jesus is now done after Mark chapter 6. In, in Mark's gospel, he will continue demonstrating who he is and why he came throughout the rest of his ministry and especially at his death and resurrection. But today, we ourselves, we focus on the end of this chapter. And again, it's a passage and it's a miracle that will sound very familiar to us. And yet, as we listen to Mark's account of Jesus walking on water, there are some moments that may seem really quite strange, may even make us scratch our heads a bit. So if you do have your Bibles with you and you'd like to follow along, I invite you to do so, Mark chapter 6, and, and we see this first unusual instance, it appears right away in verse 45, when Jesus makes his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismisses the crowds. Now, that may not seem so strange at first, but we do need to remember a few things. Now this is a continuation of what we heard last week when we heard the disciples return to Jesus weary from their their ministry efforts their their mission efforts they were casting out demons they were healing the sick they were preaching the gospel and so Jesus invites them to to join him in a quiet place so that they could get some rest so that they could even have a chance to eat so that they could have a break from the crowds but as soon as they arrive at their restful spot the crowds were there to greet them And that's when Jesus spends the whole day teaching. Now, sometimes I know that pastors go a little long in their sermons, but Jesus went a whole day. So, comparatively, I guess that's not so bad. At the end of the day, then, of course, Jesus enlists the disciples to feed the crowds. And and Jesus, of course, miraculously provides the bread and the fish, but. The disciples were enlisted to distribute the bread, and then after everyone was done, to then pick up 12 baskets full left over. Miraculous, yes, amazing, there is no doubt about it, but still, the disciples have not yet had a break, and they weren't about to get one. That same evening, then, before the sun went down, Jesus sends them back into the boat. And what's more, Jesus would have known exactly what they were going to face out there on the water. The the wind was going to pick up, and it was going in the opposite direction that the disciples were headed. And so what, what, what would otherwise have been a routine trip for experienced fishermen, even if they were exhausted, Well, it turned into an all-night affair. And so that by the fourth watch of the night, which was sometime between three and six in the morning, they were still struggling and painfully, Mark adds. This is the first strange moment of this passage, that Jesus sends his disciples into a situation that he knows is going to be difficult at best and life-threatening at worst. After all, with that kind of wind, there was potentially dangerous capsizing type waves involved. And and this wasn't a situation of the disciples' own making. They didn't get themselves into trouble. They hadn't done anything to be in this spot other than to dutifully obey what Jesus had told them to do. And they've been doing that all along from going out two by two to helping feed the crowds to now going out on the water only to make painful, and possibly dangerous headway. It's also in our lives that oftentimes we can find ourselves in similar situations. Not literally out on the Sea of Galilee like the disciples, but in other painful and possibly even perilous situations that are not our own making. Now, no doubt about it, let's be clear, as a human race, we are culpable for the the sinfulness of this fallen world. And there are plenty of situations where our own sin either caused it or added fuel to the fire. But, But in other difficult situations like these, in which we also find ourselves, we are there precisely because we have listened to the Lord and we're doing our best to follow him. It may be an attempt to raise your family in a faithful and God pleasing way, only to wonder what went wrong as your loved ones confound you. Or an attempt to be a, a good coworker or employee or student, only to be disregarded at times or even considered an enemy. Or an attempt to stand up in our world for what's right, according to God's word, only to be shouted down in a culture that seems so often diametrically opposed to God's truth. It can be any situation, or difficulty, or struggle, or diagnosis, or pain, or sorrow that was not your own doing, and yet you find yourself right in the middle of it. Or any time that you try to listen to God's word and do what is right and yet you're left wondering what could God's plan possibly be when the winds seem only to blow fully against you and you aren't making anything except for painful and perilous headway. It may have been what the disciples were thinking or feeling while they were out there in the boat. But of course that's not all that happened. And that's when we see the second strange moment of this passage. Jesus' own response to the disciples. You see, Jesus actually saw them go out on the water. and He saw them out making painful headway. He saw all this from the mountain that he had gone up to pray. But he doesn't immediately go to their rescue. Instead, waiting... Until they had been struggling for the majority of the night, right before the sun rose, Jesus descends from the mountain, goes to the shore, and then begins to walk on water. Now think about that. Walking on water. If you were the one who was out in the sea in the darkest part of the night with waves crashing over your boat and the wind blowing straight in your face and you look out and you see something and then you say, no, that's someone walking, strolling across the surface of the sea. What would be going through your mind at that moment? I know what would be going through mine. Is exactly the same thing as what the disciples thought. Verse 49 says, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out for they all saw him and were terrified. A few weeks ago, we heard the passage from Mark chapter four, when the time when Jesus and the disciples were in the boat together and Jesus was sleeping in the back. The disciples were terrified in that instance because they thought they were going to die. They looked at the wind and the waves and were afraid. However, here there's no mention of that kind of fear. Instead, what was causing them absolute and immense terror was not the wind and the waves, but it was Jesus. Now, that would be understandable, given that they probably weren't expecting to see Jesus show up walking on the water... But you see, this is where it gets really strange. The Gospel writer Mark tells us this little detail that is probably the most confusing thing of all. In verse 48, it says, Jesus meant to pass by them. But then the disciples see him, and they are terrified, and they, are cry-, and they cry out, and only then does Jesus turn to speak to them, and he says, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. But what does that mean? Does that mean that Jesus wasn't planning to stop? That he was was noticed by the disciples so only then, after they say something, did he feel compelled to turn around and and go to them? What was Jesus' intention in the first place if it wasn't to stop the storm and calm their fears? Did he mean to seem aloof or even absent from the needs of his followers? And how about our lives? In times when we are confused, Or uncertain, or even terrified and afraid, don't we at times wonder, well, where is God in all of this? What is He doing? What's His plan? Doesn't He want to save me? Well, in order to understand what Jesus was doing here, we need to take a step back. And just remember where we've been in Mark chapter 6, especially with what happened with the feeding of the 5,000. Remember last week, Jesus was showing the crowds and specifically his disciples that he was fulfilling an important role, the role of the shepherd God. The same God who from the time of the Old Testament has been continually feeding and nourishing and giving his people rest in desolate places. And now it was going to be the disciples' turn to see who Jesus was for them. That Jesus was going to definitively demonstrate who he was and why he had come. First of all, Jesus is showing them that he alone has the power over the untamed waters. A trait in scripture given only to the God who created the waters in the first place. For instance, in the book of Job, uh, the, the book of Job calls God the one who tramples the waves of the sea. Or Isaiah, who says that only God can make a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters. And we see God in the Bible do that, don't we? At creation, when he separated the waters. During the flood, when he controlled the waters. Leading his people during the exodus through the path in the Red Sea. Or at the Jordan River, leading them into the promised land. In other words, what Jesus was doing was something that was exclusive to the creator of the world. And so he's doing this in the sight of his disciples. And Jesus meant to pass by them. This isn't saying that Jesus was trying to avoid his disciples. No, this phrase is actually quite intentional and important. It's meant to call to mind all the various instances in the Bible when the almighty creator God passes by his people. It calls to mind the almighty creator God passing by Moses while he's in the cleft of the rock after Moses requested to see his glory, to see his presence, to gain the assurance that God is still with his people. It calls to mind the almighty creator God who passed by Elijah while Elijah was in the cave after Elijah was at the end of his rope being trapped down and hunted by the murderous Queen Jezebel and King Ahab. It calls to mind Job when Job was in the midst of his suffering and it says that the creator God passed by him. And during what we call these theophanies, these God appearances in the Old Testament, which person of the Trinity do you think had the job to do it? To be the one as the the mediator and the communicator and the appearer between God and his people? Well, undoubtedly, it would have been the second person of the Trinity, God the Son, the pre-incarnate Christ. Appearing to his people and in each of these circumstances in the Old Testament, the son of God chose in his glory to pass by his servants, which was an unbelievably merciful and gracious act towards them. It was meant to assure them that their creator is also their redeemer, that their creator, who he was. He wanted to show them and what he promised to them and that his promises are steadfast and that they are always there for them, that they can always rely on them, even in the most dire of circumstances. And that is exactly what the incarnate Christ was doing for his disciples out there on the Sea of Galilee. Jesus was treading on the waters as the creator Meaning to pass by them so that they could see him and know him for who he truly is, just as he had done for Moses and just as he had done for Elijah, just as he had done for Job. Jesus was not deaf to their cries of fear. He was showing them that as creator of the universe, he was using his power over all creation for the express purpose of saving them and redeeming them. And that's why Jesus says, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. Jesus got into the boat and the wind ceased. But then the final strange moment of this passage occurs. Mark explains that when Jesus gets into the boat and the wind stops blowing, the disciples were utterly astounded, but not because they were marveling at what they had just witnessed and understood, but instead they were astounded because they understood nothing of what had just happened. They didn't fully realize yet who Jesus was and what this all meant. Mark says, For they did not understand about the loaves, which is an interesting comment, but their hearts were hardened. You see, the the disciples did not fully yet understand that Jesus was the unchanging God, the one who fed the 5,000 with word and with bread as the shepherd of his people, the one who had come to bring his people rest. And they neither understood or or had a full grasp on the fact that Jesus was also the almighty and creator God who had come to his creation now to save and redeem it. They wouldn't understand it. least not yet you see because they had to see the full story we at times may also lose sight of who Jesus is we also may have hard hearts like the disciples and it's all that we can do when we find ourselves in these difficult and dark moments to keep our hearts from hardening even more to lose sight of Jesus entirely Our hearts can become so calloused from from sin, from apprehension, from uncertainty, from fear, from worrying about the future, that we wonder where God is in all of this, unable to find him in the darkness of the moment. But you see, this is why the Creator chose to come to his creation in the first place why Jesus chose to climb into the boat of our humanity by becoming one of us, he came to show us that no amount of darkness would ever separate us from his love. Because even in the darkest of times, even in the most difficult of circumstances, even when we think we may not know where Jesus is in all of this, that is precisely when Jesus makes himself known to us. That he is using his power over all creation to save us. Jesus stepped back ashore that morning. He continued his healing ministry. He continued to follow his road. He continued to follow a road driven primarily out of love for you and for me. A dark road that led to a dark hill outside of Jerusalem where Jesus would hang on a cross, the cross that we deserved as he was crucified. He was rejected by his own. He was scorned and beaten and killed, and it literally became the darkest day in Earth's history. But what ends up being counterintuitive to the world God knew that the sin-darkened cross would become the place where we would know his love for us. Because it was at the cross that God reconciled hard-hearted humans like us with himself where the Son of God died so that we may be sure of the forgiveness of our sins and of the assurance of life with him, where Jesus showed us once again who he was and what he had come to do. You see, Jesus died and was buried, and and his disciples found themselves in another place of fear and darkness. And then, three days later, some frightened women ran from the empty tomb, having just seen an angel. And the angel told them, You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But then go and tell his disciples and tell Peter, that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. You see, out of love for his disciples, Jesus was giving them another chance to see him. He would go ahead of them and meet them in Galilee once again, the same place as in Mark chapter 6, so that Jesus could pass by them one more time. Except this time their hearts would not be hardened, but their eyes would be open. This time they would fully understand that Jesus is the creator God. The God who has the power to die, but then rise again from the dead. The God who has the power to do away with anything that would cause us to fear for eternity. You may also find yourself in a dark place. And there may be days when it seems like you are fighting against the wind with no shore in sight. And there may be moments when you do not understand where God is or why he's doing what he's doing in your life. But in those moments, your unchanging Lord passes by you. Jesus passes by you in his word where you hear his voice. He passes by you in your baptism where your sins were washed away. He passes by you in his holy supper where he invites you to take and receive his body and blood to touch him and know that your sins are forgiven. He does all this so that you too may see your creator God and your savior who has the power to do everything. And to do away with anything that would cause you to be afraid. That his plan for you, even if you cannot see it in the moment, is that of eternal salvation and redemption and rest. That as Jesus mercifully and graciously passes by you in word and sacrament, you also hear him say, Take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid.